You're listening to the Co-Creator Network. When you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. Good afternoon. Welcome to Why Shamanism Now? A Practical Path to Authenticity with your host, Christina Pratt. Director of the Last Mask Center for Shamanic Healing. She's talking about how shamanic skills can bring us to physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual well-being, especially when nothing else can. Now, here's your host, Christina Pratt. Welcome, everyone, to Why Shamanism Now. This is your host, Christina Pratt, and I'd like to call in the spirits to join us here today. And recently a student asked me about this, and my response is just that my efforts are to call in the helping spirits that would be most universal to those who would be listening, to do so in a way that would not offend anyone's spiritual practices, and to do so in a way that would invite everyone, and to help us to realize that we are one vast, profoundly dysfunctional, but wonderful family (laughs) called humanity on earth. (laughs) So I call out to our ancestors, to yours and to mine, to all of those in our family lines who lived well, meeting the challenges of their time and who died well, leaving their life reconciled and complete and crossed all the way over to the other side that they could come back to serve the living as ancestral helping spirits, that we, the living, could learn from those who have gone before us, that they would help us by remembering so that we do not need to, so that we are able to listen to them and they remember and they help us to learn and to grow from that wealth of human experience so that we, the living, are able to use the fact of life to heal, to change, to forgive, to innovate, and to live. And this is the role of the living in relationship to the dead. And we ask those ancestors who can be with us as our ancestral helping spirits to bring the wealth of their legacy to us, to join us here today, to help the living so that we can do what we need to do for those who are coming. And we give profound thanks and gratitude to those ancestors for gathering around us here today. And with the ancestors gathering around us, we focus within and extend our energy from our bodies down into the earth, the planet, the being, the great mother. And we give thanks to this most essential ancestor who dreamt of life. And from that dream of life over eons of time, it birthed dreamers that eventually dreamt of our ancestors who dreamt of a future so that we are here today dreaming part of that great dream of life. And so we call out to the earth and give profound thanks and gratitude for the wonder of life, for the miracle that we each carry within us that we are alive, and for the great beauty of this planet. We ask the spirit of the earth to give to us in each day, let this energy rise up and give to us the wisdom of manifestation 
that we might learn from the earth and learn from nature, learn from the physical environment around us, how to be here in a good way that allows a great diversity of life to work together in a whole ecosystem of life. And we ask the earth to help us to be wise in this way. We give thanks to the earth for place, for home, for grounding, for belonging. We give thanks to the energy of the earth for connection and interconnectedness. And we ask the energy of the earth to rise up into our bodies to restore, replenish, and renew so that we can rise our energy up through the body and out into the sky and all the way up to the highest power of the universe. And by whatever name you name that power, call on it and draw it down. I invite you to draw down the energy of the sky bringing in the energy of protection and blessing into yourself, into your day, and into our proceedings. Call in the energy of generosity and benevolence and call out this energy into your life that you may find in your life the mentors and the champions along the way who are here to help you to do what you have come here to do. So as we draw this sky energy down, into our heads, into our hearts, into our bodies, so that the energy of the earth and sky might dance within us and come into a place of balance that helps us to come into balance in this day. Let us feel the wisdom of the cosmos and the wisdom of the earth moving within us. And let us do that human thing, to call out to the spirit of the heart, to be present in this day, that we hear that voice within us. We call out to the spirit of the heart to open up and to the great crucible of change that it is. And we call up the fiery passions of our bellies that hold the energy of our soul's true purpose, though perhaps not quite yet known. And we draw those fiery passions up into the crucible of the heart and we call down the crystal clear energy of the mind to bring in innovation, to bring in inspiration, to bring in the energies that would help us to understand. We call these energies into the crucible of the heart as well, and we ask them to do what happens only in the human heart, to merge and blend in such a way that that third energy is born, which is the energy of your unique soul's purpose. And may you find in your heart the courage to bring that soul's purpose into the world today in some way. So we give thanks to the spirits for gathering around us. May what needs to be said be said here today and what needs to be heard be heard. And may these proceedings go forward in a way that is good for all living things. I want to thank Allison and Sarah and Julie and Linda and all of those people that have donated to help to keep the show alive and available and on the air. There are certain technical things that must be paid for for that to happen, and I appreciate those of you that are helping me to do that. Um, I think we're doing a very good job moving towards our goal this year of um, having the show be 100% listener-supported. We didn't quite make it last year, and I hope that we will this year, and I'm deeply grateful for those of you that are inspired to help me to do so. And I also give thanks to those of you who are sending in ideas for the show, who are talking about these things in your lives and letting me know, who are accepting the challenges offered in some shows, and even those of you who have done the earth ritual to plant the seeds of your soul's purpose. I look forward to hearing how these things are affecting your life. So I give thanks to all of you who are helping the show to grow in all of the many ways here in ordinary reality and those who are helping it to grow in virtual reality. Um, thank you very much. For those of you who would like to donate to the show, please go to whyshamanismnow.com and click the support button. You can donate any amount, large or small. 
We are working on the option for those of you who want to simply have an, um, a monthly donation um, to set that um, technical process in motion. We're not quite there yet, but we are trying um, in response to your requests. Um, and also... At whyshamanismnow.com are the archives of three years of shows every single week um, about many different things. I will draw on many of those shows here today, but I want to be sure that you know that the archives are there. Um, You can also connect to them on iTunes, and the archives for most of the shows are at the co-creatornetwork.com site. So there are many ways for you to access these shows free, and I encourage you to use them as a resource. So our show here today is about healing from trauma, using shamanic healing to heal from trauma. Uh, Now, I have um, done many shows, actually, over the last three years about different aspects of this. And um, I'm going to refer to a lot of those shows and not go so deeply into them. Uh, Oh, and I forgot to tell you, today's show is live. Please feel free to call in at 512-772-772. 1938 or Skype in from the co-creatornetwork.com site or email me at Christina at lastmaskcenter.org, which of course brings me to the website, <laughs> which is still selling Viagra unintentionally. Um, however, if you type in to your browser www.lastmaskcenter.org, L-A-S-T M-A-S-K C-E-N-T-E-R.org, you will go to the site and no one will try to sell you pharmaceuticals of any kind. And if you go to the site through the calendar, you can register for the year one training that starts in July. Um, There are also other classes um, coming up in June, I believe. Um, Most everything else that is, um, has already started and is in motion at the moment. Um, But the site is still available to you. Um, You just can't get there through Google at the moment but we are in the process of changing that anyway back to trauma (laughs) back to the happy thoughts of trauma okay so in a nutshell from a shamanic perspective what uh distinguishes a moment of trauma to cut to the chase here is basically this is an event in your life that you perceived as a threat physically emotionally mentally psychologically or spiritually in other words it was a threat to your personhood in any of those levels and that it is possible that that perceived threat or that overwhelming experience caused soul loss and it is the loss of that part that makes this experience um, an experience that you don't ultimately come back into balance with and move on from. And thus we refer to these as these traumatic events that stay with us. We often have the feeling that we've never been the same since the type of traumatic event that creates soul loss. And there are other aspects of what happens at this type of event um, that causes these problems in healing. What's interesting about these types of events is what is traumatic for one person is not necessarily traumatic for another and that has to do um, with many many variables it can be how they were 
rays to see the world. It can be their simple, their physical constitution. It can be their needs in their soul's purpose. For example, if someone needs music in their soul's purpose and is born into an environment where music is not permitted or the same thing with dance where dancing is not permitted or your body if having good relationship with your body is not permitted then these prohibitions can become so overwhelming the soul's need to connect with what it needs for the expression of its soul's purpose that that can be traumatic for that individual and not necessarily for anybody else in the family so trauma has both a personal dynamic to it and yet also a universal dynamic to it, a, a across-the-family-of-humanity type of dynamic to it. So, what's, so what is trauma really, though? So from a shamanic perspective, these things that cause trauma in our life usually also go with soul loss. And so the first approach from a shamanic perspective in a traumatic event would be to look for the soul loss and to repair the soul first so that whatever other healing the individual is doing is built on that wholeness at the core of the person's being. So, and the reason for this is simply that in my experience doing soul retrieval work for the last, over the last two decades, that the, the loss of a soul part can affect us physically. It can affect us physiologically. It can affect us emotionally and mentally and create patterns in any of those bodies, the physical body, the emotional body, the mental body, or even the spiritual body that um, are effectively insurmountable for us or through enormous will on our part, we are able to overcome them, but it takes an unbelievable amount of energy to maintain that situation. Um, and, and, and actually an unnatural amount of energy to maintain that situation. And so the perspective from shamanism is to believe what people feel, which is I have never been the same since this event in my life and say, okay, sure, that makes sense. And go back into that event to go back in time and to reclaim the selves that are stuck in that time. And that's the basic fundamental piece that shamanism brings into recovering from the kinds of events that we would consider traumatic. Um, And then there are many practices that get engaged then as we reintegrate those lost soul parts. Now, if we live in a much more um, shamanic and frankly healthier community and recognize soul loss symptoms when they happened and thus got soul retrievals in a relatively quick time frame, there would be no need for integration after soul loss because we would not adapt to the part being gone in the first place. The symptoms of soul loss would be noticed, they would be responded to, the parts would be brought back, no one would be asked to live in a state of soul loss. In America, you're asked to live in a state of soul loss. In fact, almost everyone, I would, I would hazard the everyone, but you know, there's always the exception that proves the rule, but almost everyone has experienced this in a typical American life. And so the 
point of all of this is that from a shamanic perspective, traumatic events are expected in life and are easily dealt with in life because we accept them for what they are, an event that damages us and our connection to ourself at the very core of our being. We accept that as obvious and practical and directly respond to it in that way. And so then in America, because people are asked to live in a state of soul loss, the next layer that happens is how do you help a person who's been in a prolonged state of soul loss to release those patterns in the physical body, in the emotional body, the mental body, and the spiritual body so that they can reintegrate with the energy that is ultimately theirs to start with and carry on in their lives. So I want to make one point right here at the start of the show. If you do not accept shamanism as a valid part of the healing abundance and you only approach healing through other means it is very possible that you would gain the attitude that certain things never heal. Because at a certain level, if you do not literally get the soul parts back, there is a degree to which the person will not completely heal. Duh, it's soul force energy. How could a person not be affected by the loss of that? So to proceed with healing... From any perspective with contemporary people without acknowledging and accepting shamanic practitioners as a valid part of the healing abundance people have is highly problematic, <laughs> which is, of course, not what I was going to say. Um, but I'm really trying not to get up on a soapbox today and just rant for an hour. But you can see my point that. Shamanic healing is one of the oldest forms of healing in humanity. Soul retrieval is certainly one of the oldest forms, and it is still valid and viable today. To be a practitioner who is working with someone who has experienced a trauma and to not invite them to go get their soul parts back is irresponsible. Okay, I've said it. (laughs) Fine, I've said it. So, This is part of my point today, is to talk about how can we, as a culture, those of us receiving healing and those of us offering healing, be responsible towards this thing called trauma, which we will all experience in life. But trauma does not need to create a lasting scar, that what we lose in traumatic events can be retrieved with relative ease. And even if that was decades ago, there are many valid healing forms today that can help with the reintegration of that energy, the change of the patterns that have been embedded over time, and the ability to be whole in life and to not essentially limp at a soul level for the rest of your life. So this is, for me, what is in the background of our show today, which is about trauma. And I guess my question is, why do we as a culture so resist giving ourselves what we need to heal the traumatic events in our lives? Why? (laughs) Why in the world? If you broke your leg, you wouldn't just 
you know, drag it along with half your leg hanging off sideways, for goodness sake, she'd go get your leg set. I mean, so why? Not just as as people trying to receive the healing, but why do healthcare practitioners resist, so resist supporting people in receiving what they need to heal their trauma? Because what we know as contemporary people is that uncleared trauma becomes a chronic trigger for the fight or flight response in our bodies, which sets us up for absolute and total adrenal fatigue in our life and yin depletion and a whole score of physical diseases and pains. It shuts down our gut so we don't digest. It keeps us from sleeping. When we don't sleep, we don't make wise decisions. All of these things set up a chronic cycle of poor health. Right? We know there's research all over right, that uncleared trauma shapes our outlook on life in a way that leads to inaccurate decision-making. You know, we don't see life accurately, and so we make poor decisions. It leads to is underlying issue in addiction. It's an underlying um, issue in many, many different states of what I consider mental unwellness. And it leads to many self-destructive behaviors that wear out our most intimate relationships. People stuck in trauma who are not receiving the support to go get their trauma dealt with or to go deal with it themselves, right? Wear out their families. They wear out their loved ones. It is a chronic cycling problem. And ultimately, what we've seen is this simply destroys a person's connection to their true self. So why are we so resistant to getting out of the cognitive and emotional-based therapies and simply doing the work more effectively and efficiently. We all have lives to live and soul's purposes to express. We really can't spend our entire life recovering from our life. We need to live it. And I'm not saying that cognitive and emotion-based therapies are not part of the process. What I am saying is if you believe some things do not heal, you need to open your mind There is a bigger picture out here. And if you as someone receiving healing have accepted that this is just your lot in life, you definitely need to open your mind because there is a whole healing world out here that your body and your soul would like for you to explore. And so my frustration, which I'm sure is already apparent, is not so much about my need to be recognized professionally because frankly I am. I'm happy. It's about the fact that Sandra Ingerman's book on soul retrieval was published in 1991. It's two decades, people. It is translated in, I don't know, every language on the planet, I think. Well, maybe not some indigenous languages because they don't need it because they're still practicing soul retrieval. I mean, this information is not esoteric. It is not hard to get. It has been out there for 20 years. And for 20 years, humble people like me have been out there practicing and proving that it is a valid part of our healing panoply, if I may. So even if we don't want to talk about shamans and we don't want to talk about soul retrieval and we're not going to talk about shamanic healing, let's talk about Peter Levine who wrote Waking the Tiger, Healing Trauma, in 1997, people. 97. 
right? It has been far too long, for goodness sake, for us to not embrace this work as part of the common, everyday, expected and understood awareness about healing from trauma. That book was a best-selling book, and it has been translated into 20 languages. A new book by Mr. Levine, Healing Trauma, a pioneering program for restoring the wisdom of the body, was published in 2005. These are many, many, many years of this information being out there, being used, and producing good results. So who is this? Peter A. Levine, Ph.D., Who is this man? He is the originator and developer of Somatic Experiencing and the director of the Somatic Experiencing Trauma Institute. He holds a doctorate degrees in medical biophysics and physiology. And he has studied stress and trauma for 35 years. So if you don't want to listen to me, that is just fine. But listen to Peter. He's got all the degrees to prove it and the published books. Okay? So I'm bringing him up because his work is excellent, as are his books. And because a student of mine recently emailed me from Angola, she does work in Africa, various countries in Africa, and she was remarking about similar work that she has started doing that is based on the shaking energy of the San people, who are the Bush people, for those of you that aren't keeping up with politically correct indigenous people names, but the shaking of the San people in their shamanic trance states. They they actually have a very, very interesting um, manifestation of shamanism in their culture and their trance state is um an an agitated shaking state and it's a and and it's related to um an energy that's um uh, kind of a sister brother energy to fire it's considered a hot energy and it's considered an energy that can be brought up from inside any person that it's not um, believed to be the result of helping spirits, but it's believed to be generated from the soul force of the individual being connected to the soul force and all that is. So it's a innate capacity in people. Um, and this shaking state is a big piece of what Dr. Levine found in his somatic experiencing. is about recognizing the completion of the process the body needs to go through to complete the traumatic experience and allow the body to discharge that experience, usually through the shaking, um, so that we can begin to become one with the parts of ourselves that we've disconnected from. So I'm bringing them up because I'm really tired of the fact that there are responsible and otherwise good therapists out there who still don't recognize contemporary shamans, especially in this part of their field, trauma, they'd rather accept that people can't heal than accept Levine's work, accept shamanic healing. And I feel that that is irresponsible. That to put out the idea to anyone who comes to you for help, I'm sorry, you just can't heal more than that is irresponsible when the only thing that's blocking them from healing more than that is your own small-mindedness. And we, okay, I've said it. All right, I'm on my soapbox. I'm getting off. But that is my point, is we all need to discern accurately about trauma and the possibilities for healing around trauma and get with the program, people. I don't even know the number right now of people coming back from our multiple wars in wherever traumatized from that experience. 
And we are still sitting here safely in our little offices saying, well, you know, some things can't be healed. No, no, people do not accept that from your practitioners. And if you are with a practitioner who gives you that excuse for why your process with them isn't working, walk out the door. Buy healing trauma by Levine, read the damn thing, do the work, and go find yourself a shamanic practitioner and get on with your life. Do not accept those who believe that trauma is the one thing that cannot be healed because it is a falsehood in all forms. All right, I'm getting off the soapbox now. Okay, I didn't turn my ankle or anything. Okay, I'm down. I'm back in my chair. Okay. So, again, uh, so I'm bringing in Dr. Levine's work because he has done many amazing things and he is more dis- distinguished than most of us would hope to be in an entire lifetime and he's still out there practicing. He was a stress consultant for NASA during the development of the space shuttle. He has taught at treatment centers, hospitals, and plain- pain clinics throughout the world as well as the Hopi Guidance Center in Arizona. You know, and those Hopis don't listen to just anybody. you got to actually speak some form of truth for them to bother to listen to you because they have a whole lot of truth themselves. So Peter served on, um, on the World Psychologist for Social Responsibility, the President's Initiative on Responding to Large-Scale Disasters, and Ethnopolitical Warfare. So from his website, he says, um, in dis- to set the somatic experiencing in distinction to cognitive and emotional-based therapies, which are a top-down approach, which focuses on insight and emotions first and only secondarily focuses on the somatic or the body response to trauma. Somatic experiencing is a bottom-up approach. It focuses on the brainstem and its survival-based functions, which are not under conscious or emotional control. And this is a really hard thing for contemporary people to accept. But the bottom line is you have survival-based functions and they are not under your conscious emotional or mental control. Sorry, they're not. If they did, we'd all be dead by now. So there we are. So somatic experiencing gives us access to these instinctual actions and the arousal system um, is through the vehicle of the physical body sensations. Cognitions and emotions are included in somatic experiencing um, practice, but they are secondary or derived from the physical physical sensations from the bottom up processing. So, sorry about that. So Peter's definition then of trauma is that it is an often debilitating symptoms that many people suffer after the aftermath of perceived life threatening. Or overwhelming experiences, which is exactly how we understand this in shamanism and why it's different person to person because it has to do with a person's perception of whether or not an event is truly life-threatening. Um, and this could be a single brief exposure to an overwhelming experience. And this is another thing that's important to understand. It is not always that the experience is good or bad. It's that it is overwhelming. And then that's another reason that trauma varies person to person because some people are overwhelmed more easily than others. 
but it is that inability to respond to the moment, to be overwhelmed or to feel that our life is threatened such that we are unable to respond in the moment. That is a big factor here as to whether or not something is traumatic. Okay, so moving along. So most importantly, we become traumatized when our ability to respond to a perceived threat is in some way overwhelmed. And this inability to adequately respond can create an overreaction or an underreaction. And so um, our response or, or our memory of a traumatic, traumatic event can be obvious because it created this big over-response, but it can also not be so obvious because we under-responded, we shut down, we retreated, we cut off. And so it can actually, um, in our memory, the whole experience can be very subtle, in other words. So... What is trauma? Well, it's very hard to define, but we know it when we feel it because human responses to a potential threat vary greatly, and it's difficult to identify or classify sources of trauma. Most people associate trauma with events like war, violence, extremes of physical, emotional, or sexual abuse, crippling accidents, or natural disasters. Most of us pretty much agree on that. However, many ordinary or seemingly benign events, or I... I don't know about benign, but anyway, seemingly benign events can also be traumatic. For example, so-called minor automobile whiplash accidents frequently lead to bewildering and debilitating physical, emotional, and psychological symptoms. Common invasive medical procedures and surgeries, especially performed on frightened children, can be profoundly traumatizing. In other words, there are many things we do normally in everyday America that actually from the body's healthy, normal fear response feel life-threatening and trigger, and we get overwhelmed by them. Um, so these can be many, many different procedures that happen in inside our medical system. There are many different accidents, um, head injuries, um, falling, suffocation, drowning, strangulation, being attacked in any way, rape, war, bombs, physical abuse, mugging, molestation, gunshots, animal attacks, man-made disasters, natural disasters, horror. To simply see, to witness a, a horrific accident that is bloody and gory or involves a dismemberment of some kind or to watch someone being raped or abused or killed. Um, Things can happen in childhood, profound levels of neglect or abandonment, loss or ongoing abuse, and torture, repeated rape, some kind of systematic abuse. All of these things are potentially traumatic um, and overwhelming. I mean, that's the other thing, and that they often cause soul loss, and that they are at the root of a shamanic practice of soul retrieval. These are all of these things are commonly arise when I go to work for the day to work with people these are these to re-experience these things on someone's behalf to bring their soul part back is a normal part of a day of soul retrieval work um now what i've recently noticed is a drift what i consider a dangerous drift around the word trauma that trauma is now beginning to be used as a buzzword not just in the media but even in people's therapy to replace what is really everyday stress in a contemporary American life or to replace the results of what I consider everyday dysfunction. 
And what I mean by everyday dysfunction is our parents are human, which means they are imperfect. So are we. Everyday dysfunction arises from the fact that you did not get raised in a perfect situation. No one did. No one ever will. And we are all quite capable of rising above that. So there's everyday, ordinary, garden variety, American family dysfunction, which may or may not also involve trauma, but in and of itself is not trauma. And we need to be very, very careful here that while it is true that all traumatic events are stressful, all stressful events are not necessarily traumatic. So let us not go there, people. And if you are working with a therapist who is beginning to use that word to describe your everyday ordinary reality, dysfunctional family stuff, find a new therapist. This is, this is, a, this is a problem. So why? Why do I feel this is a problem? That there is really a danger in beginning to label things in our lives as traumatic when they really are just everyday family dysfunction in the Western world. Because events shape our lives. The fact that you've been shaped by an event in your life is called being alive, right? Sometimes horrific things shape our life. Sometimes beautiful things shape our life. But the fact that our development has been influenced by the things in our life is not traumatic. It's normal, right? Trauma does not have to stem from a major catastrophe. There are events that are outside of the natural dysfunction of being raised by imperfect people. Uh, However, the fact that you were raised by imperfect people in and of itself is not traumatic. And we need to be clear about that. Everything in our life of our family shapes and colors our point of view for good and for ill. Everything about our religious life or lack of one shapes or colors our point of view for good or for ill. The same is true for what happens in our school life. The same is what happens for the time that we are born in the culture that means we are immersed in. That there will be times in life when we get bullied. There will be times in our life that our parents fail us because they're human. There will be times in our life that we have power struggles with systems like churches and schools and the law, perhaps, that that this every time has had its challenges of will and power and dynamics. And the fact of that in and of itself is stressful, but not necessarily traumatic. And besides that, there are also many, many, many times, and these are the more important times, that we will fail ourselves because we are humans and we are here trying to learn to grow up and do what we've come here to do. So all of these experiences shape us and affect how we see the world and how we respond to things. And these things may send us into therapy because we want to see the world differently and we want to respond to things differently. And that still doesn't mean that they're traumatic. That you were affected and influenced by your life does not define something as traumatic. What I see in just the ba- what I consider the basic 
garden variety dysfunction in family life is that this boils down in therapy to one of two answers to your challenges, which is that you either need to grow up, and by that I mean the challenges that you're facing are the natural and healthy challenges faced by anyone to individuate from your parents and to take a stand in your own sovereignty in your own life. And so there are many issues which we might take to good therapists to help us in the process of individuation from our parents and otherwise known as growing up. The other side of the issues um, that we would take to therapy that are not traumatic but are just part of being a human would be the get a life category. Because the other part of being a mature spiritual person in the world is getting a life. Why are you here? And to construct for yourself a life that has meaning and purpose for you. That's the getting a life part. Taking responsibility for paying your bills. And if you don't want to pay those bills, don't use those services. You know, but to be accountable in your life for the exchange of energy for doing what you've come here to do and and understanding the movement of resources necessary for that to happen. That's called getting a life. So growing up and getting a life are stressful. And that's why you're here. And it's not problematic. And it's perfectly fine for you to ask for some therapeutic support in making that happen, especially if you've got really crappy life skills from your family. And none of that is necessarily traumatic. So what is the real distinction that I'm making? Because trauma is unavoidable in life. And we are actually given the innate abilities of dealing with it. And that we do not need to be forever scarred by trauma. So what makes something actually a trauma? And why does that even matter? Okay, let me go to why it matters. It matters because how we approach our own healing depends on what we are trying to heal. And this matters in two ways. We need to accurately define the source of a problem if we are going to proceed with effective healing processes, which is the reason a misdiagnosis is so damaging because the diagnosis leads us into the most effective path of healing for that diagnosis. But if the diagnosis itself is wrong, then the path of healing will be ineffective and resource expensive given the fact you're going to get little to nothing out of it. And so to misdiagnose your issues as trauma is to set you down a path that is inefficient and ineffective potentially in your healing. Now, there's an even deeper reason that it matters how we, that we accurately define what it is that we're working with. And that is because the wound itself defines the medicine needed. And this is a fundamental belief I receive from spirit in my healing practice. And what I mean by that or what spirit means by that is that no matter what body takes the wound in, so whether it's a broken leg, physical body, whether it's stagnation in my energy body, whether it's um, a brokenheartedness in my emotional body, whether it's um, an errant 
incorrect belief in my mental body or whether it's soul loss in my spirit body. Those are different bodies and every body that makes up a human can take a wound, take in an illness or a disease. All the bodies are vulnerable potentially. And the wound defines the healing. Now we understand this in the physical body Back to the broken leg, if I came in with my dangling broken leg and said, oh, please set my leg, you wouldn't say, oh, honey, lie down here. Let me treat you for the flu. You would treat my broken leg, right? I mean, duh, right? It's obvious. The problem with the emotional body and the mental body and the spirit body is there's no physical manifestation to make it obvious. And so we have a tendency to treat the wrong thing or to try to use something to treat it because we're comfortable with that when that thing does nothing so we like we are happy with our therapist and the issues are in some other aspect of our physical or spiritual body that can't be reached through that therapy but we're happy with our therapist so we keep trying to fix the problem through the therapy through that medicine right but it's not the right medicine for the wound that we have and there again there is nothing wrong with therapy And a good therapist is worth his or her triple weight in gold. But we need to be very clear about what is actually going on. What are we trying to heal? What is it really? Because if it's not trauma, don't march down that path. If it is, go for it. Right? So the wound needs to be clearly defined because the wound itself will then give us the medicine needed. And so this goes back then to, you know, what Levine is saying is that trauma comes from perceived life-threatening or overwhelming experiences. So understanding what trauma is for someone and what it isn't really does matter. Traumas, actual traumas, disconnect us from our innate energies. Our innate energies are energies that we are born with, that are not taken from us, that these are these deep innate energies that work together constantly to generate the inner matter from which we live and move in the world. And I know that I just jumped into totally esoteric hole here in the middle of my talk about trauma, Um, but this is my point about what actually makes something traumatic. Now, the innate energies are our health, our innate, the body's innate wisdom to health, not the minds, but the bodies. Innate, another innate energy is our will. You are born with a will. You have to learn how to use it, but you're born with it. And you can't just say, oh, I'm sorry, it's too much work. I don't want to use my will. Because your will is part of your choice and you're going to continue to manifest your life whether you choose to use your will consciously or not. So your will. Another energy that people don't understand as part of this innate energy is sovereignty. Your innate sovereignty. And then the last one is truth. So we are all capable of being connected to these energies, that they are innate energies, that they are given, they are like divinely given to us as we come in. They're not a psychological creation or a manifestation of the human, but they are innate 
to us and they they mush together and create the matter the energy from which we live and that these are equally available to everyone equally given to everyone and they are simply part of the process of being born a human hallelujah right okay so the events that we perceive of as life-threatening and that overwhelm us and that are not resolved in a good way immediately do not clear our bodies and effectively trap us away from our innate energies. It's another way of describing soul loss. I don't think it's as good a way as describing soul loss, but it speaks to that effective disconnection from ourself that is at the root of why trauma is so traumatizing, why it's so hard to get at is because there is a disconnection from our deeper self, which is the soul loss piece, or another way to think of it is a disconnection from our innate energies. So one of the most important examples here that I'm trying to make, this distinction, is that the normal challenges of a child or a young adult to differentiate from his or her parents is an issue of sovereignty. And it is a natural part of the life cycle. It's not a trauma. So the fact that you grew up because of your parents' version of reality, having a really messed up relationship with your sovereignty is not traumatic because you still have a relationship with your sovereignty. It's just messy. And you have will and health and truth. And these energies come to your aid and help you then in your individuation process to clean up your relationship with your sovereignty relative to your parents, which which is otherwise called individuation, and to emerge as your own independent and sovereign human otherwise known as an adult right and so the point is in our dysfunctional lives our relationships with our innate energies get confused and distorted and messed up because our parents are human and they're messed up our our world is messed up our religions are messed up our schools are messed up trauma um, challenges stress and trauma happens So the point is our relationships with our innate energies get messed up, but they're still there. They can still guide us in unmessing up the relationships and creating true, clean, clear, healthy relationships. Now, for my money, my helping spirits were a huge help in my being able to do that. And Phyllis Pay and the early skills I learned around clearing energy was a huge help in doing that. So skills, practice, and spirit help were necessary for me, but maybe you're smarter than I am. But the point is our innate energies can guide us if we'll simply tap back into them and use that connection to clean up our relationship with these energies. That's called clearing your family's dysfunction. That is stressful, but not traumatic. Within that, however, you may discover that there are issues that persist that may point to a moment of trauma that resulted in soul loss in your family, in your school, with your religion, with your culture, with whatever. And if that's the case, then go get your soul parts back. Get a soul retrieval and then get back into the process of living. Get back into the process of maturing and bring your gifts to the world. What is most important in your 
assessment of your life and your understanding that everything in your life changes in colors how you see things to begin to sort through that and decide do i like this perspective or do i choose to have another and if so how do i clear these energies that have colored my world in this way and that because you have an innate connection to health and will and sovereignty and truth, you and your helping spirits can do that. You and your support system, your good therapist, your shamanic healer, your um, energy worker, your body worker, you all can do that. That is not trauma. And in that, you may find those moments that persist. Those are perhaps the traumas. And they too can be resolved. And so the events in our life that can be considered traumatic are those that overwhelm us and create a disconnection, a true disconnection, so that we are no longer in relationship with our will, with our sovereignty, with our truth, or with truth in general, and with um, health. And when that happens, when we lose those energies that create the very matter that we make our life from, we go into fear. There is no other place to go. It's terrifying, and we largely stay there. And that's what it means to be stuck in trauma energetically. And that's why it's different from just dysfunction. Now, before we close here to be responsible to this topic, I want to point out that there is another way that we end up in trauma energetically. And that is when we engage in in archetypal paths in life without intention, education, or ritual to align and give meaning to that encounter. Once again, big old esoteric statement. But what I mean by that is being stuck in a war and forced to kill other people without any kind of education around what is going on energetically and what will happen spiritually as a result of doing that. There are extreme actions taken for survival around warfare. Mothers that end up having to smother a crying baby. Children watching horrific events because warfare in and of itself is not natural, actually. So, so the point about warfare, whether you are the soldier, whether you are the person who is killing other human beings, or salting the earth, or damaging the mother in such a way, you are putting your soul on the line. And entering into these archetypal energies without um, the care of ritual, without true, usually clear education, and sometimes without the intention to enter into something archetypal, these things often create trauma. So the most important thing, but and sorry to finish that, and given all of that, If you have been in, around, or associated with warfare or people who are involved in it, you all need to stop accepting, I'm just going to be in PTSD for the rest of my life and acknowledge the trauma and, and get the trauma addressed as trauma. Get your soul parts back. 
do your do the levine work do your somatic experiencing and bring yourself back into wholeness and right relationship with yourself so the most important thing about trauma is that it causes a true loss of connection with ourselves and in that we have a loss of our relationship with our vitality and our life force We also lose our connection with our dreams. So with that understanding, uh, understanding the scale that we're talking about that really speaks to trauma as part of our human experience, let us show respect for those people who have been raped, actually raped, and respect for the rapist. For he has no idea what he has brought on his soul and the souls of his children. Let us show respect for those people who are returning from war, who have killed as part of that duty. For they often have no idea what that archetypal relationship will bring now into their life and sometimes the life of their family. Let us show some respect for the parent who has buried a small child or the small child who has lost a parent. Let us show some respect and develop true discernment about what is trauma to heal ourselves in a way that inspires all to believe that their trauma can also be healed. As long as you are breathing, you are not scarred for life. Changed by life, yes, most definitely. But the you that you lost in that trauma is there waiting to come home. As long as you are breathing, you are not scarred for life. Thank you everyone for joining me today. I'd like to give thanks to the ancestors for gathering around us and helping us the living with the challenges of our time. I give thanks to the earth below and the sky above. And I give thanks to the energy of the heart that connects us all. Next week, we're going to explore helping spirits. What are they? Why in the world do they bother to work with us? And how do they teach us about the deeply abiding things in life that help us to make moral and ethical choices and about the true nature of our humanity? Thank you all for joining me and have a great week. You're listening to the Co-Creator Network because Because you do create your own reality. No time.